0: Don't talk, just listen. Under the Black Sun, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches. that the transfer of power over to the woman Cassandra and her faction had gone rather swimmingly. For all the fuss that went into a new leader taking over, all the war and the death and the other varieties of unpleasantness, life was not really that different for those who were comfortable being led. Exhibit A. The card game held on Wednesday at Bertie Goman's place, same as always. Everyone loved that card game. Depended on it, really. It was something from the old world, the place of gold suns and blue skies. For the hours they spent focused on bluffing, the players could forget that they no longer lived beneath such a sky. Bertie Goman's apartment made that self-inflicted deception all the easier to accept. It was spacious and comfy, decorated all over with bright colors that never seemed to dim. That charm extended over much of Bertie Goman's existence. Water always ran clear out of his tap, and fruits and veggies never seemed to spoil on his counter. Some people it seemed, had all the luck. His fellow card players never voiced any kind of complaint, figuring that no one could help being lucky. And besides, whatever luck streak Bertie had in his favor, it did nothing to help him at cards. Week after week he lost, forfeiting over a fortune Emil chits and task tokens, and he never seemed to mind the losing. If anything, it was when he won that Bertie Goman seemed troubled. Any time he won, the next hand he would be recklessly offering up his earnings to the first card shark willing to take a tilt at him. Relief poured off him like sweat on a hot day as soon as he busted back down to even, if not lower. Bertie Goman seemed especially eager to divest himself of anything that could be considered a positive on this night, the night of the last card game. Discussing Bertie Goman and the incident both, Jackie Cruz, a regular at the card games, would later recall that Bertie seemed to be attempting to keep the game going no matter what. By the end of the night, he had yanked the Rolex off his wrist in one last desperate play at one last hand. No one was interested in robbing Bertie any more blind, and so the evening ended there. As was custom, Bertie shook hands with one and all as they walked out his door. And did he hold those hands for a half second longer than anyone recalled him doing before? Were his palms slick with a sweat that seemed so out of character for a man who was otherwise so self-assured? Was there something in his eyes suggesting that he knew Somehow he knew precisely what was going to happen next. Jackie Cruz was asked that any time she told the story of having been there on Bertie Goman's last night. She asked herself those same questions during all the time in between her tellings. Had Bertie known? How could he have known? If he did know... Why would he have shut the door behind the other poker players without telling them the danger he was in? Why? Always that question before all others. Why? Why had he closed that door that night, knowing that on the other side of dawn, he would be dead? It is really too bad... That the like of Jackie Cruz will drive themselves crazy off questions like that. Especially since the answer is so simple. Of course, Bertie Goman knew he was going to die that night, he had picked the date himself. Early in their time beneath the black sun. When the city first fell, Bertie Goman ensconced himself with a group of his neighbors. They made smart, responsible choices. Didn't help any, but at least they could feel good about that. They divvied up resources and fortified their residences and cooperated together for the betterment of the group. In a fair world, they would have lasted a good long while. In this one, the conclave lasted about a week before Brutes came knocking with knuckles formed of broken glass and baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire. Bertie Goman watched blood splatter all over comfortable upholstery. He saw the familiar flesh of friends hanging off their bones in torn lengths. For all that remained of his life, he would remember that the impact of weight against skin was a wet, solid sound, not the cracking thwack of so many action movies. When a barbed wire-wrapped bat meets a body. It requires a moment to be retrieved. Bertie Goman ran to a window, leapt out, and kept running. In those days, there was no one to run to. There were no collectives dedicated to keeping some spark of civilization still burning and no armored keep offering shelter for all forms of storm. In those days, there was only blood streaking walls like spray paint and the music of broken glass playing a melody on echoing asphalt. Every alleyway held fresh terrors, every night brought with it new screams. This was the world in which Bertie Goman wandered. He found sanctuary in a rooftop encampment, where guards posted each night to make sure nothing descended out of the sky and fed upon the people. In this, the guards were not always successful. Any time you shut your eyes, you did not know if they would ever open again. This was not the way Bertie Goman knew to live. In the old world, he had been a financial planner. His gait was formed of cautious steps, and his way was planned out piece by piece. The longer this state of uncertainty went on, the friendlier the edge of the roof seemed at least that was something he knew that was something that was his his to control and his to reject he did not like thinking about it and had actually committed to not thinking about it anymore when the two men sleeping next to him got into an angry argument about something no one ever learned and one of the men produced a switchblade Bertie dreamed he drowned, and awoke soaked in a stranger's blood. He spent the rest of the day sitting on the edge of the roof, imagining. You're not afraid, came a voice from behind him. No, he said, not bothering to turn around. Not of dying. And life itself is not your tormentor, said the voice. It's the uncertainty. It's the, hmm, it's the not having a say in the matter. Yes, Bertie Goman said, his eyes filling with tears. I can't take the not knowing. Not knowing is going to be the death of me. The voice said, what is it worth to you to know? What is it worth to never again know a troubled night's sleep? To never again shy from the unknown because you know it cannot touch you. What is it worth to you to finally shed this fear and spread the wings you have hidden for so long? Birdie turned and saw and understood. They agreed on a date, shook on it. Birdie said, I feel like I should be signing something in blood. The man who had not been there when the conversation started laughed and said, no, no. Keep all the blood you can. I'll collect it in due time. And then he was gone, leaving Bertie alone with unasked questions and reserves of terror and apprehension he had not even known to worry over. But with time, Bertie came to dismiss his rooftop conversation. Surely that was only a dream that wandered too close to his waking mind and lodged there as a memory. And if things seemed to go his way here and there to ensure his ongoing survival and comfort, then, hey, even exiles into other worlds deserve a lucky break now and again. Surely the streak of breaks would end. Surely he'd draw a bad beat and be able to once and for all laugh off his silly, lingering daydream. Only the streak did not end. It kept going, driving him closer and closer to the date he had picked. To the day he had chosen to die. When the last card player had filed out Bertie Goman flopped onto his couch. It was inching towards midnight, and here he still was, and nowhere to be seen was any fell messenger come to claim a prize. Perhaps, just perhaps, he could let this foolish daydream die and no longer hold his life answerable to a date in a calendar. He had just resolved himself to this way of thinking when there was a sudden knock at his door. The man on the doorstep was neither short nor tall, neither skinny nor fat. He had a face you would never remember, though Bertie Goman knew him at once. Without a word, Bertie stepped aside and allowed the familiar stranger into his home. Without a word, the man entered and ambled into the space so recently occupied by friends and high spirits. Whatever vestiges of good humor and company remained, like wafted smoke, dissipated at the entrance of this new man. Bertie Goman closed the door and followed him back inside. "'You are not going to run?' the other man asked all pleasantry. Would it make any difference if I did? The man considered the question. It would make me think less of you. But as pertains to your situation, no. The outcome would be unchanged, I am sorry to say. Bertie said, Are you? Sorry, I mean. Do you... Grieve for what you've done? The man thought about it, then said, And what is it that I did, Mr. Goman? I offered you a choice. You chose. What responsibility do I own in your actions? What about what you will do? Do you grieve for that? for my killing you is that what you're asking you want to know if i will feel bad that you are dead and i caused it that is your question yes said Bertie goman that is my question no said the man that is my answer Bertie goman poured himself a drink He reminded himself to savor each drop as it slid off his tongue, but failed to take his own advice. He poured another. He offered the bottle to his guest, who dismissed the offer with the slightest shake of his head. You know, Bertie said, sipping his second drink, it was all for nothing. Knowing when I was going to die didn't make living any easier. Perhaps the answer, my dear fellow, would have been to not spend so much time worrying about the end. Bertie chuckled. It's the journey, not the destination, isn't that the quote? So read the fortune cookies, the other man said. He wore a button-up shirt as bland as the rest of his person. Bertie noted that the button over his belly was undone. He thought about mentioning that, then didn't. Instead, he said, I'm not that kind of person. Maybe I... I envy people who are, who can just live without always having to know they're living right. But that's not me. I... I am a person who needs to be certain who needs certainty. Then consider yourself a victor, the man said, for here arrived is a certainty that you never need doubt. You, Bertie Goman said, are not making this very easy. That, the man said, is not my responsibility either. Then I suppose we ought to get to it. Are you sure you don't want to run? There was no malice in the man's voice, but there was mockery. Bertie said, I wouldn't want you to think any less of me. He set his glass down. From between the folds of the other man's shirt, a tendril of flesh extended forward. It whipped out, long and thin, latching tight to the flesh of Bertie Goman's belly. All strength sapped from his arms and legs. Feeling very distant from himself, Bertie flopped to the floor. He could not lift a hand to touch the flesh that bound him, but he could feel it settling on top of his own skin could feel it begin to drink him down. The only function that seemed left to him was his mouth. What now? he asked upwards. There is no more now, the other man said. You are dead. All that remains is for all of you to understand that fact. It took hours. Bertie Goman was not especially aware of time in his condition, but he understood that the evening was elapsing while all the while the flesh drank him deeper. He kept expecting to pass out, but his luck had long since failed. The other man had by this point removed his own clothes. And watched impassively as the flesh drew them closer and closer. Bertie moaned something in the wake of his stomach liquefying and traveling up the tube, and this at last seemed to get the other man's attention. What's that? he asked. What's the matter? The thing that had been Bertie Goman whispered, What is it, what is it like? after. The other man said, I never bothered to learn and I don't much care. All that matters to me is your taste. Birdie's mouth continued to open and close while more and more of him was slurped away, but no sounds ever escaped again. Eventually, There was nothing left of him but a head on a stalk of flesh. And then this too was drawn into the other man's belly. The other man leaned over to watch as Bertie's upside down face lingered over his own stomach. Skin growing over his eyes and filling his mouth. And then there was nothing else to be seen or said. The other man washed the glass that Bertie had used for his final drinks, then put his clothes on and went out the same door he had come in. There were other debts still to settle. Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the CinePunks Podcast Network. My name is Brandon Foley, and I write, produce, and perform the show. Uh, First of all, let me apologize for this episode being a little bit late. Uh, It was supposed to come out in March, but between me going through a move, and um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's this thing called the coronavirus uh, that's causing some real problems in the world, it seems like. In uh, any way, it all kind of factored in to slow me down. Um, hopefully, things are now settled. Well, not settled, but hopefully I'm settled. Uh, and I can get back onto the episode a month uh, pace. Uh, and there won't be any more interruptions. But I do apologize for this one being uh, later than I wanted it. Um, but thank you for bearing with me. Uh, Cinep- Blacks and Dispatches is part of the CinePunks podcast network. I almost said that CinePunks is part of the Blacks and Dispatches network. It's nothing. Uh... CinePunks has tons of great programming uh, both in terms of podcasts and also lots of great writing to be found on our website CinePunks.com So if you enjoy this show or even if you don't enjoy the show uh, there's such a wide range of new con- of content and material for people to go through I am sure you'll be able to find something that you do like even if you're a bad person who doesn't like my show and you really do have to be a bad person like my show so just be aware of that as you prepare to write your iTunes reviews Sponsorship for programming, including the show, comes from Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, uh, and also from our Patreons. Which, if you can donate some money, hey, you know we really appreciate it now more than ever. Uh, if you uh, want to follow the show for in, in upcoming for information about it, you can go to at Black Sun Show. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at the True Brendan F. That's at Black Sun Show, and that's at the True Brendan F. The music in this episode, as always, is Winter by E.L. Heath. And our logo is designed by Jennifer Rogers. So like I said, I apologize for this episode uh, being delayed. But you should be all back up and running. So look forward to our next episode coming up in May. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, May comes after April. So uh, like I said, please stay healthy. Please stay safe. And I'll look forward to delivering a new episode for you uh, next month. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.